Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Evangelism, missions, discipleship. What do you leave out? You better not leave out any of those if you're going to be a New Testament church. Fellowship, yes, beyond measure. That's so important. Serving, yes, those are important. But evangelism may be the one that people struggle with. And then if you don't do evangelism, you're not going to disciple because you won't have anybody to disciple. It could become a vicious cycle. Again, this is Bert Harper along with Nathan Harper. Nathan, evangelism and explosion should be parallel, running side by side, shouldn't they? Evangelism and missions, yes. Okay. Absolutely should. And and when you do that, uh, is it possible to uh, just major too much on one without the balance of the other? Yeah, we have a tendency, all of us as as humans have a tendency to get unbalanced in, in a lot of things. Sometimes we lean toward the things that individually, personally, that we are gifted in and uh, maybe expect everyone to be like us. Sometimes we lean toward the easy part and leave off the hard parts. But, you know, if we think of, you know, evangelism, fitting in hand in hand with discipleship it you know that's how it that's how we should picture it and you can't have a one without the other for at least very long you know we we tend to separate things but i think the bible god definitely puts things together and so you say the word evangelism some people break out in, you know in sweat and they get nervous but it's simply making disciples it's simply being a witness it's simply talking about jesus wherever you go well, what we want to do, we, we're, and we're going to get straight to it, the Gospels demonstrate that so well. And when we say the Gospels, we're talking about the four written Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're, we have an interview with John Sorensen at the end, and he is head of Evangelism Explosion, started by D. James Kennedy, and a great ministry that has changed lives around the world and is still changing lives. But when I thought about this, Nathan, in the Bible study that we would put with it, I did think of all the, the four Gospels in each purpose for which each one was written. Each one was written for a specific purpose of reaching a group of people. That's right. And they also had a specific perspective from which they, they wrote. And, uh, you know, under the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, their own personalities, their own perspectives you know, were a part of this. And, you know, they weren't just writing as robots. They were writing as followers of Jesus, Mm -hmm. as human beings, with their own perspective and their own personalities. And, yeah, they had a little bit of a a nuance of a a different purpose from each one. But their overall general purpose was to uh, make much of Jesus. Can't get better than that. Well, let's jump in real quickly, see if we can get all four. It'll have to be a quick overview, quick overview. The Gospel of Matthew The Gospel of Matthew, written by the Apostle Matthew. He was a tax collector. God saved him. So numbers are a big deal in Matthew. It's just fun to watch and see how they're 
you were talking earlier, their personalities comes out, and his does come out with that. And the scriptures is Matthew chapter 1, verses 1, and then verse 17. Yeah, so Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, and these are the parts that, if you're reading through Matthew, most people tend to skip over this part, but uh, it's very important. Verse 1 says, the historical record of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And we see just from that very first verse, the point that we're talking about Matthew is uh, writing about is Jesus Christ, Jesus being his name, Christ being his, his title. Another word for that would be Messiah. So that's Matthew's point is showing Jesus is the Messiah. And so uh, Matthew had a, a Jewish audience in mind as he wrote this. The son of David being very important that Christ, the Messiah, fulfills all those covenants and the promises given to David about his uh, kingship and about his royal rule and reign on earth. And then also uh, the son of Abraham being the first, uh, the first one called out, the father of, of the nation. So, so when you look at the verse, genealogy, you see that as well, right? Exactly. So you go through the genealogy and you, Matthew ends up in verse 17, chapter 1, verse 17. This is really exciting to me. He says, so all the generations from Abraham to David were 14. And from David until the exile to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the exile to Babylon until the Messiah, 14 generations. Now, if you break that down, talking about Matthew and his numbers, 14 generations, are that's two sets of seven generations. So you have six, seven-year, seven-generation periods, okay? And the very next thing that Matthew announces is the birth of Jesus. So what you're seeing is, the seventh seven generation. In other words, Matthew is announcing Jubilee with Jesus Christ. The Whenever, birth of Jesus brings on Jubilee. When the slaves are set free. Yeah. Slaves the are canceled. Amen. Yes. That's a work of Christ. That's the book of Matthew. There's so much more he's presented as, uh, to the Messiah, as the Messiah. Uh, the scriptures that you see again and again is that it might be fulfilled. So it was a primarily Jewish audience. Then we moved to Mark. Mark was unique. It's the shortest one, and the key word is immediately. Yeah, uh, you see all through chapter 1 in Mark. Uh, I, I didn't count them all, but there's lots of uh, uses of the word immediately, that Jesus immediately did something, and then immediately he turned around and did something else. Um, and all the things he's doing, Mark is showing that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 1, Mark 1, 1 again. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so Mark's point is to show that Jesus is God's Son. Now, that means a lot of things, but one of the things he's showing is God is now taking action himself through sending Jesus as his Son, as his representative, as the, as, as the one true God in human flesh and He's going to take action. And so all through Mark, you see Jesus acting, uh, immediate action. He's doing things with decisive action. And it's an interesting book to read. It's the shortest gospel to read. Uh, I think Mark gets to the point quicker than he anybody does. else. He does. 16 chapters filled. Uh, cha- the first eight chapters are basically proving that, that who he was. He was God in the flesh. The last eight chapters reveal his plan. In chapter 8, he says in Caesarea Philippi, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and there I'm going to suffer, die, 
and be raised again. So he has proven that he is the Christ. He is God. Uh, you don't need to look for another. Then we move to the book of Luke, and it's obvious to the Gentiles. He was the Gentile writing the Gentiles, wasn't he? That's right. And so, you know, Luke, is, for a lot of people, has been the most accessible gospel to read from the sense that all cultures, if you come from any culture, uh, cultural background, you can understand uh, what Luke's talking about. Now, he doesn't neglect the Jewish parts of Jesus, but he's doing it in a way where Gentiles can understand. Matter of fact, the genealogy doesn't stop with Abraham. He goes all the way back to Adam. That's right. And so showing how Jesus comes from the very beginning. And so, you know, Luke is actually writing. He tells what he's doing in the first part of chapter one, Luke chapter one, he talks about how many people have written about Jesus and he's, he's also doing it, but he's doing it for a specific, maybe a specific person or a group of people. He says uh, in verse three, it also seemed good to me since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first. And I will say, by the way, Luke is a doctor, a physician. He's big on details. And so even here he's saying, hey, I've covered all the details when I've written this account. And he says, he's writing to you an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus. Now, Theophilus is obviously a Greek name and Gentile name, but it means God lover. Okay. And so... Was Luke writing to an individual named Theophilus? Probably. Was he writing to a group of people with their codename being Theophilus, got all the God lovers? Maybe. There's other speculation. but That's the power of the gospel, isn't it? Let's get to last one, and I don't have but a minute to go. John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. He was going to make sure. The last verse, I want to read it, and then we'll have a comment or two. Verse 20, verse 31, it says that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Yeah. John, the words, life, love, they all work together, don't they? They do. And, you know, John's point was so the, the reader, uh, the hearer of his account of his gospel uh, would believe in Jesus Christ. And from believing in Jesus Christ would come to have eternal life. And, you know, that's that's what uh, evangelism is all about. So Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they were all on mission for God and they were sharing the good news about Jesus Christ and who he is. Listen to the next interview and you'll be blessed by what God is doing around the world. We're at the convention center in Anaheim, California, at the National Religious Broadcasters meeting. And our guest today is John Sorensen from Evangelism Explosion. John, welcome, brother. Well, it is such fun to be here. Thank you, Bert. Evangelism Explosion has changed America. Well, I believe it. It has. You know, there was a a survey done a few years ago of the top Christian books over the last hundred years, and Evangelism Explosion was number eight, uh, along with some incredible books like Mere Christianity. And (laughs) and, and, I mean, it's it's really a heady thing, but it really has. And they said it's changed a couple of things in the church, not only in the United States, but worldwide. One, it used to be wildly unknown that a person could know for sure they're going to heaven. In fact, most people would say they didn't know that, even Christians in the church. And and yet through EE, most 
most people now understand that they should know that whether or not they're going to heaven. And so it's changed that discussion. And then the second thing about it is it's really given some focus to the church in the area of evangelism. If you were to witness today, what would you say? How would you say it? And and most people, regardless of what ministry they're part of, use pieces of EE. As, Either as the two diagnostic questions yeah, yeah. or no some of what. the stories they might have learned in it. And so praise God, because I'll tell you this, Bert, we are pro-evangelism, period, full stop. We believe every person on earth ought to have the chance to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so no matter how that happens, whether it happens through any sort of ministry, we're for it. And we're partners. We are we? absolutely partners. Uh, I, and I so hate that gets competition. Us yeah, it's, it, not, it's a compliment to one it another. It is exactly that. And I appreciate it. I remember just about every evangelism training tool that I've gone through over 40-something years of yep. pastoring, and you know I've gone through them, EE uh, and those questions and different things are a part of it. They stick with you, don't they? they? Do. You know, I shared uh, yesterday, you know, immediately, just one of the stories, I use that record book of sin story that yeah. we teach, just came right to mind and it's so easy to share. And, you know, I think that's been the benefit is it's really given a voice to the church into how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give us a little history okay. of EE. Hi, uh, D. James Kennedy is a hero to many pastors. I believe And it. I'm one of those. I admired him. Uh, I would I'd not only about evangelism explosion, but his messages and the sermons that he would preach and uh, some of them, the historical ones. I'm a, I'm a history buff, so I would hear about the faith of George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, and he had done the research. And uh, I just loved it. And D. James Kennedy, gone to build the Lord a great hero of mine personally. Yeah, amen. And he told me uh, before he died, he said, I'm going to be sitting at the front door in a lawn chair, just watching the people come through. And he said, I'm going to rejoice over all these folks that are being gathered into the kingdom of God. That was his heart. He really did want to see America come to Christ. He wanted to see the world come to Christ. And so he labored every day, uh, put every ounce of energy that he had into advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ in his day. And, you know, the good news is there's an awful lot of folks like that, uh, like you, Bert, that are committed to these same things and are doing everything in our power to see Jesus go forward. History-wise, a lot of people wouldn't know this. This is a bit of, uh, of trivia that you might not know. Dr. Kennedy started at his church plant in, um, in South Florida, and, and he took this mighty army of 52 people that started. He was preaching these sermons like crazy. Is, uh, from all these different folks that he had Spurgeon and Moody and whatnot. Well, he took that mighty army of 52 all the way down to 17 in six months. Yeah. And his wife, Ann, was talking about which church she was going to join when the, when the church failed. You know, it was like they were, he was literally developing his resignation letter to turn in when a friend of his from up in just a little bit north of Atlanta called him and said, uh, would you come up and preach a revival? And, you know, he figured, well, I can wait another week to quit. You know, I'll go up with my friend and spend a week. So he goes up, and this friend's name happens to be Kennedy Smart. And Kennedy's still there and ministering today, just a little bit north of Atlanta. And so Jim Kennedy shows up to preach on Sunday night and preaches his heart out. And Kennedy Smart comes up and says, you know that what you did tonight, you're going to do that every night. And he goes, good, I'm, I'm ready. He said, but here's the thing. 
uh, that's not the main thing we're going to do this week. The main thing we're going to do is that every day, all day long, we're going to go out into the highways and the byways, and we're going to talk to people eyeball to eyeball and toenail to toenail. And he said, because you're the professional evangelist, I've saved the tough ones for you. <laughs> and Jim Kennedy was so afraid. He was just dying. You know, and he had, he had remembered in the Bible where a guy had prayed and the sun stood still. So he thought, well, it's nighttime. If I pray and the sun stands still, it'll never come up here tomorrow morning. So he was praying that the sun would not come up the next day. And you know what happened, Bert? It came up. The sun came up, <laughs> and the pastor came up to get him, and his breakfast came up, and they went out to do the thing that he was absolutely terrified. See, I think that's the thing that people forget. Jim Kennedy would always say that he had this yellow stripe that went right up his back, and somehow or another it came around his chin, and it attached to his jaw, and it stopped him from opening his mouth and saying anything to anybody about Jesus. People thought, this guy just must be the most bold evangelist. No, that was a decision that he took. He decided that he he was going to be telling people about Jesus his entire life. He was scared to death to do it. And he told me later in life, he said, you know, I don't think I'm as afraid as I used to be. He said, but I still get butterflies in my stomach. Amen. He said, I still do. Even today as we go out and we would go out a lot together and it was a lot of fun to go with him and witness. And, but he'd say, you know, I still get these butterflies and they just fly in formation. Now. Yeah, they're I've a, heard they're that a bit. little bit yeah. more coordinated. Yeah. Isn't that great? If you don't get butterflies, right. there's probably something wrong with there you. There is. And you know what it's going to do, Bert? It's, it's it means we're going to try. Lord, exactly. We're going to try to do it in our own power. Yeah. And that doesn't work. It doesn't work. It does not. I, I have noticed some thing, times when I've done it just word perfect and nothing. <laughs> nothing. And then I've done it when it was just, okay, what to do? And yes. God just intervened. Absolutely. It's, it's God. It is absolutely God. But he God. does want us to be a part of and what he's And, you know, the cool to. thing is, is he gives us this privilege of being able to speak, to be, as we're told in Second Corinthians, his, his ambassadors, as yeah. if we're going into the world, pleading with the world, be reconciled to God. He gives us this extreme privilege. And more than that, he gives us a reward for doing it. So it's all his. Yeah. We're not really even doing it, but he gives us a reward. Aren't you amazed who he uses? It's absolutely I, amazing. I, I'm always sitting back. I, you know, I don't let the world know it. But anyway, English was not my strongest subject in school. <laughs> let me just say, if it were not for English, I would have gotten a, a scholarship on my ACT score. <laughs> but English pulled it down so low. No way. And isn't that like God using a guy that could not speak correctly, could not write correctly to, to, to speak on the radio, to preach all across America? Well, he used another guy named Moses that way, as yeah. I recall. Yeah, he he, he made that statement, I don't think I can speak well. And yeah. you know what? Yeah. God doesn't really need, he needs our availability. He doesn't he does. necessarily need our ability. And you know, the truth is, is if we make ourselves available, and that's been the history of EE. We call it FAT, Faithful, Available, and Teachable. If we can find people that are faithful, available and teachable, we can turn them into witnesses for Jesus Christ. And we're, that's what we're doing. By the way, just this last year, this ministry has grown and grown. Just this last year, we trained over 500,000 adults and over 600,000 kids, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, into how to witness for Jesus Christ worldwide. And we saw 11.4 million people give their heart to Jesus just this last year. Just worldwide. this last year worldwide. The countries that EE is in mm -hmm. is phenomenal. And just how all it over reaches the world. all over the world. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to something, <clears throat> and, and I want this to be a teaching moment, <clears throat> how it was turned over. In other words, the baton was passed mm. from Dr. Kennedy to you, John, mm. and not losing a beat. A lot of times, mm. if you build it on personality, 
you'll lose it. Well, but, and I would, that's what I would have said, is that EE is a mission based on a, 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 an idea, not a person. And so Jim Kennedy was careful that it was never Jim Kennedy's ministry. You'd notice if you look at anything, his name was, it wasn't Jim Kennedy's evangelism explosion. It wasn't the ministry of Jim Kennedy. It was uh, a ministry that God raised up so that every person on earth would have a chance to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's because of that that nobody even needs to really know my name. It, what, what they need to know is that we have this mission that every Christian is to be a witness. And if that were ever to happen, you know, there are about a billion evangelical Christians on earth today. And if every one of them decided to share Jesus with a friend or a neighbor or a work associate, the world would be different almost immediately. What was and, said about there's no telling what God could do if nobody cared who got the that's, credit. You know, Bill Bright used to say that, and I absolutely love that about him. He was so interested in doing kingdom work and not building a kingdom. You know what I mean? And that, that's a really big difference. It's Christ's kingdom. We're all his servants. And, you know, the wonderful thing is, is that there is some real unity coming to the church today. We're seeing pastors of all different denominations working together, praying together, forming teams and communities and believing that God's going to use them to reach their communities for Christ. I believe a revival is coming. Amen. And unity is going to be a key. Not a forced unity, not a fake thing where you take two cats and tie their tails together and you make them one. They're unified. They're but unified, they're not, but they're not yeah, happy about yeah, it. Right. And so this isn't what we're seeing. We're seeing a genuine unity around this idea that we can advance the kingdom of God in these days. And I believe that a revival is coming to the United States, and I believe it'll have great impact on the world. Well, I, <clears throat> I see pockets of that yes, right now. Right. Different churches doing different things. Sure. Uh, being a part of that so a little bit of getting on what God's up to and join him. That's exactly right. Uh, jo- find out, I mean, his purpose, you know, is to be glorified. That's exactly right. And his right. son to be glorified. Yes. And find out what that is in your church, in yes. your life. How does the EE work in local churches? Well, uh, yeah, we've got about 40,000 churches worldwide that are using EE today in a, in a very standard way like you, you would recognize from before. Now, we have a myriad of new tools that, that, we, that we offer, different levels, different um, am- amount of time that it would take for a person to be trained or equipped. We still have the real deep end that was Evangelism Explosion, but we offer a number of trainings all the way from a one-day workshop all the way to this 13-week or 14-week program. So we're doing that all all over the world. Um, but the key is, and I, I hope people would recognize this, EE is not a ministry that exists outside the local church. So the question we're asking to pastors is, how can we help you? How can we assist you? So you almost have to tell us, what does this look like in your environment? What would you like us to do to help you? And in some cases, it's a Saturday workshop that we do to prepare people to be able to witness to their friends. And then in some cases, it's a deeper thing. And But the, the truth is, is it's just as effective today to equip people to be able to witness for Christ. God is moving in just the same way. Divine appointments that he's creating all around us every single day. And we're seeing that happen in cities all across the United States and then all across the world. And, and so it's exciting to see I will tell you about one uh, um, event that we've got going on right now called Equip America. And this may be something that you'd like us to do in your city. Uh, If you go to equipamerica.org, look at what it's about. We would be willing to come to your town, help get together a bunch of pastors, demonstrate what we're talking about, take them out and do some witnessing. Because, you know, everybody can talk about it. You can run all the classes you want on evangelism. Someday you're going to actually have to go out and do it. And we'll teach you to do that. And then, and we're seeing churches change. I could 
could take you, Bert, into a church in Oklahoma City that for the last five years hadn't had a single baptism. They had 19 baptisms last year because of just teaching their folks to go out. It changes the, the culture of the church, and we get really excited about that. And so if, if you're a pastor listening and you'd like to know something about that, go look at equipamerica.org and see what we could do for you. You know, when you're preaching and you know when you give the invitation— there's going to be a response because John has been out there witnessing and one Devin to the Lord, and they got this agreement, man. When the invitation's given, they're coming, coming forward. forward. It puts a little bit more uh, emphasis on it your preaching. Everything. It really it does. does. You know, I think we forget that. A lot of pastors feel like they really are beat up a bit today. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're a little discouraged, and, and maybe like there's a church we've been working in in Asheville that hadn't had a baptism in, I think, five years. and But three weeks ago, they had two. And it's just because we started, to, and, and that changes everything all of a sudden. And you, that reminded me of what you just said. That's what happened that week in, in all those years ago, 60 years ago, when Kennedy Smart was doing that with Jim Kennedy. They were able to look, and every night they could see who was going to come, because they'd been in their home, they'd shared the gospel with them, they'd seen them come to Christ, and they were coming forward to make that public uh, a declaration of what had happened earlier that day. And that changed Jim Kennedy's ministry, and that's mm-hmm. where EE came from, from a failed pastor to a fat pastor that felt like they could do anything, they could change the world. That, changed, that did change the world. It really did. It all, it all starts relationship even Mm -hmm. though you knock on a door or you meet someone somewhere you still there's something about that like you said eye to eye toenail to toenail relationship because that's what the gospel is about is bringing people into relationship with god through christ and god uses relationships that we have. He, Amen. He could have chosen to do it another way, John, but Absolutely. he chose us. So those relationships if he sent those, If he sent the angels to do it, they'd do it today. Yeah. I mean, the entire world would hear about Jesus. It is such a blessing, a blessing to us that he's given us this opportunity. And he that, rewards us. And he rewards us. At the, it's the <laughs> coolest thing that you get to do with the breath that's in your body right now is to go and tell a friend about Jesus. And here's the thing. A lot of people listening may not know this. Uh, a friend of mine, Ed Stetzer, did a survey here last year. He asked this question of non-Christians, a bunch of them. He said, here was the statement, if my friend is a Christian, I don't mind them talking to me about Jesus. He asked, how many agree with this statement? 78% of the non-Christians that he interviewed said, if my friend is a Christian, I don't mind them talking. 78%. Three out of four of the non-Christians in America said, I don't mind them talking about Jesus. We have gotten it. We've we've believed a lie. We've believed that the world doesn't want to hear. And that's why we stay silent. The truth is they do want to hear. They really do. They want, there are far more non-Christians that want to have spiritual conversation than there are Christians that are willing to have that conversation with them today in America. And we want to change that. As much as we have breath, we're going to do all that we can to assist the church to be that conversation starter in our in our society today today we've heard from john Sorensen, evangelism explosion and you're here and said man our church needs man we need life they can make go to the website they can make that contact and then you guys 
Y'all, we'll we'll follow got, up. Y'all, y'all follow up. We absolutely do. We get goosebumps over helping churches to train their people to witness. So How do they us. contact you, John? Well, you can either go to evangelismexplosion.org. You know, that's our main website, right. and there would be all kinds of opportunities. Uh, or you can look at equipamerica.org, and there would be a way for you to identify that you want to talk to us. And and we've got people all, all across the United States, field workers that would come out and sit with you and help you to do this. We're committed to help the church to be a witnessing, multiplying church. You know, the Great Commission says, make disciples. Amen. And that's what we're to do. We're to make disciples. And then it's amazing what God does with those disciples. Absolutely. He took 12 of those disciples and turned the world upside down. Amen. And thank you for being with us, John. Well, it's a privilege. And thank you for what you guys are doing in broadcasting this truth and keeping people about mission. Bless you, Bert, and uh, anything we can do to help. Don't don't ever hesitate to let us know. You've been listening to Exploring Missions, and I'd remind you that you're on mission for God, down the street or around the world.